0: But first, as you've been hearing, Israel and Hamas have agreed to a truce which will see 50 hostages freed in exchange for a four-day pause in fighting and the release of Palestinians from Israeli jails. The office of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has confirmed that, but also indicated that the war would resume. For more on all of this, I'm joined by Duncan Bullivant, a former diplomat and CEO of the Henderson Risk Group and International Risk Management Advisory. Duncan, good morning. Good morning. Now, we've been told that this was coming. Um, who are the key movers in bringing about this temporary truce?
1: The, the key movers in this have been the United States. Uh, they've been pushing for this. In many ways, this is a U.S. deal uh, that has been then uh, brokered on the ground by Mossad, uh, which is the Israeli External Intelligence Agency, representatives of the, of the um, the Egyptian government, and of course, the, the actual reach out to, Mos- to, to um, Hamas and, and, and the, the, the close liaison has been carried out by Qatar, who has this curious relationship with, with, with um, most of the, the terrorist groups in the region, but is, is generally regarded as a United States ally. So it's been a, it's been a team effort, but definitely driven by the United States and not massively, not massively popular, it should be noted, by many members of Benjamin Netanyahu's cabinet.
0: Is it clear whether or not there was unanimity in okaying the deal in that cabinet, or was it a majority
1: decision? I think it's clear that it was not a majority decision. I think there are a number of hardliners, as we know, within the Netanyahu camp, who believe that there should be, there should be no um, negotiation whatsoever with Hamas. The problem on the ground is that Hamas are not the only group holding hostages. It it, it would appear that there are at least two or three others, including uh, Islamic State and affiliate organizations that that bear some form of allegiance to Hamas but don't take directives from Hamas. So the situation on the ground, when you consider what has been going on from a military point of view and when you look at the complexity of who's got who, is very complex indeed.
0: Now, it is possible that Hamas could agree to the release over four days of uh, 50 hostages, and uh, in turn, 50 Palestinians will be released, uh, women and children uh, who are detained by the I- Israelis. Um, is it possible that that's all that Hamas can deliver because other groups have the rest of them?
1: I think the the issue here is, I think we all see within, with the initial group that it is very young children uh, and mothers and American passport holders. Um, this is, this is, as I said, this is very much an American-driven uh, initiative. Uh, it's, it, of course, is welcomed by everybody. And any any hostage that's released is a positive step, and it, you know, tends to unblock dialogue. And when there's good, when goodwill is shown on on on, on both sides, the dynamics of these situations do do change. But. It then begs the question as to how, how long the ceasefire can hold. Is it in Hamas's interest to extend the ceasefire? Because when you look at hostage taking, when you look at, you look at the, the practice of kidnap, which is abhorrent um, but quite popular in, in certain parts of the world and, and increasingly common, I have to say, in, in, in parts of Northern Europe as well, when you look at, when you look at the, the whole practice of, of this, the, the real issue is what do both sides want? This is a commodity. So what do Hamas get out of this? Well, Hamas are actually now, it would appear, able to negotiate some form of, of, of ceasefire, which gives them time to reorganise and restructure, because there's no doubt that they wouldn't be releasing hostages unless they were feeling the military pressure. So it's, it's, it is a you know, cart-before-the-horse situation. I mean, they, they, Hamas are desperate for a ceasefire so that they can restructure, reorganise, re-equip rearm in, in, in many cases, Israel is under, is under increasing domestic pressure to get some of the hostages out, even if it's just this, this um, significant number, you know, 50, you know, it's, 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 it's a large group of people, whether they're being held centrally, we just don't know, or whether they're being held in, in, in different locations, but it's a start. What does Hamas get out of it? It gets breathing space. What does Israel get out of it? Well, the cabinet get a little bit of respite from domestic pressure groups who want to see their loved ones returned. And the United States is seen to be pulling pulling the strings uh, in the region in a way perhaps that we had not expected the United States to be able to do. So I, I think the dynamic is shifting.
0: When you talk about Hamas regrouping, rearming, Four days won't do that for them. And, I mean, the Israelis will keep their drones in the air to keep an eye on what's going on on the ground.
1: Yes, but I think what you will see when I talk about reorganisation and and, and rearming, it's getting access. It's it's the ability to move. Freedom of movement on the ground. There's no doubt, you know, during a ceasefire, that that bad actors within Hamas will will masquerade as refugees, will, will masquerade... As part of the the aid uh, delivery and will must will take advantage of any relief that is that is brought into gaza that's that 's a sad fact of life and these, Israelis know that, and I think those of us that don 't believe that you know perhaps are, are a little naive to the fact that this 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 resupply of of humanitarian aid coming into the south will in some way be an advantage to Hamas we, we know that, but I think that the in terms of Hamas being able to reorganize, I think it's establishing communication. They, they, this has been a very, very significant military operation carried out by, by the Israelis. And the one thing the Israelis understand is, is, and teach as part of their doctrine is that you have, to, you have to move as fast as possible so that you get inside the decision-making cycle of the enemy. And Hamas has been on the back foot pretty much since, since Israel started its military operations in earnest. This gives Hamas breathing space, gives them a chance to sit and think. Right, where do we go next? Where do we go from here? It may well be that where we go from here is an extension of the ceasefire, and I think that is what everybody is hoping that this ten, this ten day, this, this ten hostages for twenty four hours of extended ceasefire, it, you know, may may continue. It's, it's hard to imagine that that will continue until they've got rid of all the hostages because then they've got no bargaining chip at all. So that's, it'll be interesting to see how that develops.
0: Now, this may be a cynical question, a crass question, but is there money involved in this whole business?
1: There's no doubt in my mind that money will be involved in this. It's, it is, at the, at the end of the day, one of the, ma- one of the main building blocks of, of Hamas. And, and, and money passes hands uh, more often than not in any hostage negotiation. There's certainly This isn't being done as a goodwill or humanitarian gesture. I think we need to be absolutely clear that that, there is, that doesn't figure in Hamas ideology. That's, that's not the issue here. There is either immense pressure being brought to bear militarily or there is immense pressure being brought diplomatically on those members of Hamas that sit outside of Gaza who pull the strings in, in terms of strategy and, and manage the money. And those are the guys that, that, that have been involved in the negotiations. And it's their ability to pull the strings on the ground. And as we know, they have amassed hundreds of millions of dollars over, over many, many years of, aid, of taking money from aid donations and contributions from the, from the Palestinian diaspora.
0: Now, the question of of, uh, what Hamas wanted at the beginning, and did they miscalculate? You say the Israelis moved, ultimately, once they got their act together and realised that they'd been ambushed effectively, that their intelligence had failed them. They got their their act together within uh, relatively few days and mounted this uh, enormous operation, which has been so criticised around the world for uh, the humanitarian effects it had. Um, the cynics always said that Hamas did it deliberately. You know, they wanted maybe to create a wider war that would ultimately lead to the destruction of, uh, of Israel uh, by bringing in other uh, parties in the Middle East. Um, that hasn't happened. Uh, some action from Hezbollah, some rockets fired from Yemen, but uh, limited activity, shall we say. Um, did they grossly miscalculate what the Israelis would do?
1: I think they underestimated the United States, and I think they underestimated the ability of the United States to move quickly, to move uh, considerable military capability into the region, in, in fact, for the United States to dominate the, the theatre almost w- within a week. That, that was unprecedented. I don't think anybody expected that to happen, even those of us that sort of watch these things quite closely. Secondly, they expected greater regional support which hasn 't materialized you know there's been a of there's been a lot of there's been a lot of, um, a lot of coverage of, of criticism of, of the Israeli bombing campaign. not a single Arab government in the region wants Hamas to survive that 's the bottom line here what, what, what you know Hamas as far as they 're concerned is, is is an organization that needs that needs to disappear this this is beyond the pale and what is also interesting in, in, in all this is it, it it would appear as time goes by that although Iran did nothing to prevent an operation of this nature. Iran is slightly distancing itself from the actual operation itself that was carried out by Hamas. This, this was probably one step too far for them as well, because in the eyes of the world, the Israelis are still justified, even though what they are doing is, is, is seen as, 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 as an overreaction. In the eyes of the world, I think at the end of the day, Israel will have seen, be, been seen to act within its within its rights. The issue now is what happens when Hamas really is on the ropes and is on the verge of ceasing to exist as, 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 a, as a cogent military force, which we're, we're not there yet. We're, we're a way off that. That's the point at which we've got to watch the the northern uh, borders with, with Israel. That's the point at which Hezbollah have stated that they, that they will get more involved. And as we know, there are constant skirmishes on that border at, at the moment. So that, so all eyes on that mm-hmm. for now. Um, the,
0: the, For the future, uh, it's been often said that the Palestinians really have no friends. The Israelis, uh, you know, blockading them effectively in Gaza, uh, policing uh, the West Bank, settlements being built where uh, there should be no settlements, even under sanction from uh, the United uh, Nations but the jordanians don't want any more palestinians much of their population already is palestinian by by ethnic background or, uh, b- or by nationality uh, the egyptians don't want any more palestinians nobody wants them i mean if hamas were to vanish would fatah have more friends in the world
1: i think i think one of the options is is gaza ruled by an, by an organization other than hamas and the logical uh, organization there would be fatter. Whether or not they would have the legitimacy and the support of the Gazans is another matter because obviously the, the tragic knock-on effect of, of this level of escalation of violence from, from Israel is that the next, the next generation of Hamas, or whatever, or whatever they, they are called, have now been displaced from their homes, have seen their loved, one, loved ones blown apart for whatever reason. You know, the, recruit, the recruiting sergeant for, the, for these extreme terrorist organizations is, is, is often the trauma that one goes through as a, as a young person. So I, I think that the, the long term stability in Gaza and the long term stability in Israel, though, although many would say it is an intractable situation, will be in the hands of external, um, external players will be in the hands of, of the United, United States again, who have been trying to disengage over the last, uh, last 10 years. But we have to go right the way back, 20 years now. The problem is that at this stage of the game, Palestine, the Palestinians, the Palestinian political leadership, has constantly rejected the, tw- the, the, the twin-state solution, has constantly rejected any solution to the region that sees Israel survive as a state and from that perspective, it is, it is intractable. There is, no, there is no way in which Israel is going to disappear. Yeah. And I think until such time that, that, that Palestinian leadership, and one feels desperately, desperately sorry for the Palestinians, but it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that, that, that their right to, to continue to fight in this way is necessarily going to be mm-hmm. supported. So I think it, it is going to come. It's back on the agenda. We can't ignore it. And I think that, that ultimately, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, the United States, and to a lesser and to a lesser lesser degree, um, other, other actors, including China, funnily enough in the background, have got the key. Have got the key to this. But it will require a different approach from from the government in in, in, in Israel.
0: Uh, finally, and briefly, Ed Duncan, will Netanyahu have difficulty in restarting his war?
1: I think he is going to have. Difficulty in restarting his war unless release of the hostages is is, part of, is key to his strategy. But I think in terms of motivation and morale within the IDF, that he will have no problems at all. The, the, the IDF is, is, on, is on the offensive and they feel that this is a just war.
0: Duncan Bullivant, a former diplomat and CEO of the Henderson Group and International Risk Management Advisory, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva
1: Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on NewStalk.